Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for our life. We thank you for our gathering such as this. We are about to break bread in your presence. We pray for insight. We pray for revelation. And we pray for understanding. We pray that our hearts will be receptive to your word and finally to change us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, we are. We are in the book of John. John chapter 4. Hopefully, we should finish chapter 4 today. Then that means we've done 4 out of 21. So we still have a lot of work to do. So, um, I don't want to go back and talk about what we've done so far. Because we don't have time. So... We are going to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, there are two main events over there. Okay, I think that's what makes the book of John very, very simple. Each chapter, there are either one main event or two main events, okay? So, for example, chapter 1, two main events. The introduction and then Jesus calling his disciples, okay? Chapter 2, two main events. The wedding and then the temple. Chapter 3, two main events. Okay. Um, we looked at only the first one. That's the discourse with Nicodemus. And there's another, um, what I call the witness of John the Baptist concerning Jesus Christ. That's, that's the second event. We've not done that one. Okay. Then in John 4, there are also two main events. You are going to see this discourse between Jesus Christ and the Samarian or Samaritan woman. And then there's another last discourse which talks about the healing of um, the son of one of the um, leaders, okay, one of the generals. So basically that is it. Now, what, what I want us to learn from this story is that f- first of all, okay, um, you always ask the why question, why is John including this, of all the things that John could have included, why is he giving this one chapter? That means that it's very important and significant, okay? So we are going to look at a lot of interesting things over there. Before we zoom into it, you need to have some background. Now, when you say the Samarian or the Samaritans, who are they? Okay, so it's a rhetorical question. Those of you who are avoiding eye contact. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not asking a question. It's a rhetorical question. Don't worry, I'll answer it myself. So, now, let's look at the, the nation of Israel, okay, mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. Um, the first king that they had was, you say, Saul, okay? That's from human perspective is Saul, but the one that God anointed and appointed as the first king is actually David. Now, when David died, Solomon came to inherit the land, okay? And Solomon was king. When Solomon died, he had two sons, okay? Jeroboam and Rehoboam. Now, these, these people came and then they divided the land into two. They, div- they divided Israel into two. So we had <clears throat> the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. If you don't know this, you will never understand the Old Testament. So basically, the, as you are reading the Old Testament, one of the things that will make you understand it clearly is your ability to distinguish between the northern kingdom 
and in the southern kingdom. Okay, the southern kingdom were those who were worshiping God. The northern kingdom, they came to, they gave themselves unto idols. Okay, uh huh. So that that was what was happening. So as a result of that, the northern kingdom was taken into captivity by the Assyrians. So the southern part of Israel, which we call the southern kingdom, okay, which um, sometimes we call the land of Judah. The northern kingdom at times is called the land of Ephraim. The southern kingdom is called the land of Judah. If you, if you just understand this, the division, the, the other books like Hosea and the other prophetic books will be very, very easier for you because sometimes you read and say to the land of Ephraim, okay, to the land of Judah. You need to understand that, the distinction between them, okay? Uh-huh. That's the first, the first lesson. The second lesson is that the northern, the, the northern kingdom, okay, I said they were into um, idolatry and all those kind of things. So they were taken into captivity by the Assyrians, okay? So the southern kingdom should have learned a lesson from that, but they also didn't learn a lesson from that. So one century, that is a hundred years later, Nebuchadnezzar came to, um, that's the people of Babylon, they came to capture the southern kingdom. So when you hear about Nebuchadnezzar and then Babylon coming to colonize um, Israel, it's actually the southern kingdom. Because the northern kingdom was colonized by the Assyrians. Then a century later, that's a hundred years later, okay, um, Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar at the age of 17 came to colonize um, the southern kingdom. Now, when the northern kingdom was colonized, they didn't take all of them away. There were remnants over there, okay? And other people from other nations also came to um, merge with them, okay? So they gave birth. So they were actually a mixture of tribes. Those are the people we call the Samaritans, okay? So the southern kingdom, okay, you know they went into captivity and under Nehemiah and then um, Nehemiah and who? Mm-hmm. Nehemiah and who? Yes. <laughs> Ezra. Ezra. I thought it was also Ezra. And Nehemiah and Ezra, they came back, okay, from captivity. So they saw themselves as true breed of Israel. And then they saw the Samaritans as what? A mixture. Okay. So because of this, there has been a conflict that has always existed between the southern kingdom, which, we, um, I mean, of course, those that call themselves the true, um, um, how do you call it, the, the true descendants or the true tribe of Israel, and then the Samaritan people, okay? So there is always conflict between them, always. Jesus even sometimes referred to them as what? As dogs, you know that? That's, that's how virtually they saw the Samaritans, as dogs, okay? As people who are not pure, as a breed, okay? So... If you, are in, if you are in Israel or you are a true Jew, you don't go to Samaritan. You don't even go there and ask them for anything. Okay? But the land of Samaria was a shortcut, okay? If you want to move into Galilee, it's a shortcut. You can just pass through the land of um, um, Samaria and get there, okay? But because of this conflict that is between them, they never go past through them. They would always go around, okay, taking along that route. So now this is what is happening. Okay, now Jesus has had this discourse with John the Baptist, with, yes, John the Baptist in John chapter 3, the ending part of it. So that brings us to John chapter 4. You see the, the amount of work you need to do 
before you understand what's actually going on over here. So now, let's, with this background, we can read John chapter 4 and have a clear understanding of what's actually happening there. Okay. So, someone should read with us. John chapter 4. Mm-hmm. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he... And he must needs go to Samaria. Good. So the the distance or the journey from Judea to Galilee. Okay, you could use a longer route or you could pass through Samaria. Something that they were not doing. But at this time, he said that he needed. He needed to why? Because there was an appointment that before the foundations of the world had been planning for ordained that he needed to meet someone. So is that no, I'm not going to go through the long route. I'm going to pass through Samaria. Okay? Despite our conflict and how we don't talk with them and all those kind of things, I'm going to break protocol in order to meet this woman. Amen. Amen. Let, let's come to verse 5. Now, Jacob's well, do you remember when um, this lady, wasn't it? Uh, Jane. Jane was talking about the wells that, okay, wells that Jacob, Jacob dug, okay? This was one of them. So you can imagine, since that time, so, <laughs> the well was still there. So this was one of them, okay? So that's, it's one of the wells that we are going to talk about. The wells that Jacob didn't give up on, okay? But he rebuilt, so he dug again. So this is one of them. Okay, let's continue. Okay, verse Jesus, 6. Read verse 6 again. Okay, now Jacob's will was saying, Jesus therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Good. <laughs> you see, now we've read English. Let's go a bit into this. Now, um, the first lesson that I want us to pick from this is that um, Jesus got tired, right? And, of course, in life, as we are genuine, okay, everybody will get tired at a point in time. But when the time comes and you get tired, you need to sit by the well. The well. The well. The well, we are going to look at the, the, the parallelism between this artificial well and a certain kind of well which is inside of us. The well of the spirit. Are you seeing it? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we know that it was at the seat hour. The seat hour means... Um, 12 o'clock in the afternoon because they count their hours from 6 a.m. Okay, uh, so from 6 a.m. all the way. So it was 12 in the afternoon. You know, the interesting thing about this is that usually the, the ladies would fetch the water either early in the morning or late in the evening. Okay, but if you are someone and they went in batches, okay, so this woman she's isolated, she doesn't want to go around the time where all the people went to fetch the water because. They would gossip about her or something like that. So she went in the in the afternoon. Okay. Okay, let's continue. Mm-hmm. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Mm-hmm. So Jesus said to me, Give me to drink. But his disciples were going away unto the city to buy meat. Okay. Then said, 
how is it that now being a Jew, I'm asking a trick of me, which I'm a woman of Samaria, but the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Okay, okay, it's fine. Okay, so let's let's look at this well. Um, so the the woman came there to draw water. Okay. You see, as, as you're reading, let's, let's look at the, the parallelism. Okay, the woman has come to draw water. Okay, don't just look at it as English. Just be thinking around it. Okay, what's the meaning of someone who, who has come to draw water? That means that she, she was thirsty. Okay, so, okay, we will look at what, what really her test was. Okay, so that's verse 7. So, we, so she, she rather told you. Jesus told her to give me to drink, right? Give me to drink. But do you think that, do you think that the woman had any, anything that could quench the test of Jesus? Are you seeing it? So actually, um, later on, when you are done, we will compare this with, with, with Nicodemus, okay? You see, Jesus was going to actually give her something to drink. Are you seeing it? Okay. Let's go to verse 8. So in verse 8, he had made it strategic, said that he has sent, he has sent his disciples away. Okay. Because the disciples would have distracted that meeting. Later on, when, when, we, when they came, you will see what, what they did. Okay. Let's go to verse 9. So the verse 9 too is emphasizing the fact that Samarians and then Jewish people, they don't have anything in common. So why is Jesus asking of, it, of water to drink? Okay, okay. so let's read verse 10. Okay, verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto him, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that said to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Okay, so, so now it's clear. Okay, so he's saying that if you knew, you see, there's the highlight of the day. Okay, listen carefully. Whatever God asks of you, eh, is because he wants to give you more of it. Are you seeing it? So he was asking, give me to drink. But you see, it's not really that he wants something to drink. It's because he wants to give you more. But he's going to test whether you are going to be faithful in that little thing. Are you seeing it? So is that, give me of your um, artificial or natural water to drink. Okay, so that I give you of an eternal... You see, the, the natural water was... First of all, it was natural. Secondly, it was something that wasn't eternal. It was temporal. It was transient. It was ephemeral. Okay? As compared to that which God was going to give. Now, this is, this is, the, this is the, whole, the whole idea. If God asks you mm, to, give, to give him your time, it's because, okay... He's going to make you recover all the time that you've lost. Are you seeing it? So anything that you are giving to God, really, it's not a waste of time. It's actually a gain. Again, for example, God is asking you for your intellect to, to analyze his word. Really, it's not a waste of time. It is he trying to give you something. <laughs> Are you seeing it? Your tithes. Pay your tithes. 10%. Time. Is he trying to give you anything that he asks of you? Mm? Is that? Do you know? Do you know who is he that is asking you of this? Are you getting it? Have your devotion. Pray. Do you know who is he that is asking you of, of your time, and you are thinking that you are wasting your time? Do you, do you know who is it that is asking you of your time? 
He's the one who lives in eternity. Time is limit. I mean, is is something that he has in abundance. Are you seeing it? So that's one of the lessons that we we need to learn from here. That whatever you give unto the Lord is not a waste. Amen. Okay. So he says that he has in him, or he then becomes the source of living water. He is the source of living water. The other water was dead in that you drink it and you get thirsty again. But he has a kind of water that when you drink, you shall never thirst again. Do you know, do you know what that water is? That water is a spirit. When you have it, you never, you will not have appetite for worldly things. You, you live a kind of life that you are, okay, you are not envious or jealous of any, any person's good. Are you seeing it? You, you abase and you abound in whatever you have. Are you getting it? That's the water of the Spirit. When you have Him, you, 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 your desires and your appetite will change. You shall never test after the things that other people are testing after. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's go to verse 11. Verse 11. said Thou hast nothing to draw with, mm-hmm. and the world is deep. From whence, from whence then hast thou that? Good. So, that's what happens when we try to find, you see, God gives you a promise, okay? Anytime man tries to find the mechanism through which God is going to work, it may lead us into the state of doubt. (laughs) If you try to find the mechanism and the... I use the word, the mechanism or means, okay, through which God is going to deliver his promise. It may lead you to doubt because most often than not, physically speaking and logically speaking, you may not even see the way. Are you seeing it? For example, the Red Sea is there, okay? God is saying that God is going to take you to the promised land. Now, you, you, you've seen the Red Sea, Okay? There is nothing, you know, you, you cannot think of a mechanism or a mean through which God is going to take you from one point to the other point. Isn't it? Uh-huh. So, this is where faith and belief comes in. So, when it comes to the promises of God, God can use means, ways and means which are bigger and greater than your ability to conceptualize, to bring to pass. Isn't it? So, then the woman now came to attack Jesus. Now, you are telling me that you have this reverse of living water. First of all, you yourself, you are thirsty. How can you provide this living water? Secondly, you don't have anything to draw. And thirdly, uh, if you are going to draw from this water, it's deep. Where is, where, where is the bucket you are going to use to draw? Are you seeing? Then verse 12, he says that how thou... Now, now he's going to ask a rhetorical question. Okay, art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Now let's see how Jesus answered this question. Now, Jesus never argued whether he was greater than um, Jacob or not. Do you, do you know why? You see, if you know who you are, you don't, you don't argue. <laughs> Isn't it? If you know who you are, it's those who don't know who they are. Or those who, who are not anything. They are the ones that try to prove a point. Isn't it? Because before Abraham was... I am. So it's not even Jacob. 
I say, you, you could have answered that that before Abraham was I am. Are you saying But <laughs> but but let let's see how he answered the question. So he's he's going to say that whosoever drinketh of this water, okay, shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water which I shall give shall never thirst again. But the water that I shall give shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So there is a kind of water that we all have. Anytime you accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, the Spirit of God comes inside of you as spring of living water. Hmm? Springing up to, to distinguish it between the well, where the water was stagnant and static. But there's a kind of water that he brings, which is refreshing, which is streams or rivers of um, or water springing up into everlasting life. Okay, he satisfies you. Okay, once you have the Spirit of God inside of you. You see, you, you don't have to have any issues in life. Like, relax. That's the whole thing. Do you know that, you know that all the things that you are worried about, one day you look back and you say, I, I shouldn't have worried about them. Do you know that? For me, for me, that's something that keeps me. So if I'm going through any challenge, for example, I injured my, my finger and on Sunday. It's, it's very, very painful. Very, very, like, it's, it's really painful. And you see, it's that there is even some clot of blood. Uh, it's, it's extremely painful. But I told myself, oh, next week, by the time it will go. <laughs> so why should I be here thinking about it? And, and now, it's, 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 I, I, I mean, the pain is reducing. But you see, I could have just, oh, God, my hand. Am I going to lose my hand? You know? And I was thinking about the mechanism. Ischemia. Thinking. Wound healing. Are you saying Hmm? So, so uh, if you, I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you that if you understand this, eh, you will never like you'll be satisfied. Let the spirit of God be inside of you as eternal water, as as everlasting life, as the one who, which quenches all your thirst. Amen. Yes, that's who he is. Okay, so that is something that we've learned. Let's look at the next the next point. <clears throat> Verse fifteen. Good. Okay, so she's still, her mind is still physical. Yep. Physical thing. Okay, now let's see how Jesus answered that question. Let's go to 16. Good. So that was her actual test. So you see how Jesus deals with the root. Now, let's, let's look at Nicodemus. When Nicodemus came to Jesus Christ, Jesus, and he was asking Jesus, oh, um, we know that you are a teacher from the Lord, and then you know, because no man can do these things unless God is with him. Then Jesus said, you must be born again. <laughs> you see, he addresses your main issues. That's any, any time, you see, I always say this, and, and we, are, we are going to think small, okay, so put your phone down and think. Okay. Anytime you meet God, you meet yourself for the first time. <laughs> anytime you have an encounter with God, eh? anytime you have an encounter with God, that's when you meet yourself. You, you see who you truly are in His presence. That's why it's, um, Isaiah and those people. Anytime they went into God's presence, they just fall down flat and say, Oh, I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. Isn't it? 
this woman had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and Jesus pointed to her that you what you are really thirsty for. Your real test is that you don't have a husband, and that's that's something that has been bothering you, and you need to be you you need to have certain kind of water which will quench that test because you're thirsty for men. <laughs> are you seeing this? So then, there was a gap in her life that she thought that it was husbands that would fail. But she didn't know that that gap had been reserved only for Jesus Christ to fail. So when she had this encounter with, with, with Jesus Christ, you will see subsequently that she received some kind of satisfaction and joy in her life. <laughs> so she was bringing men to fail, but they were not failing. Men to fail. But she was always thirsty. She was always going and coming to fetch water. <laughs> Amen. So let, let's see how she answered the question, verse 17. Now, the, this is the part that gets interesting. <laughs> now here, we are, we are going to count numbers. Thou has had five husbands. Mm-hmm. So now, she's with the sixth husband. Yes, sit boyfriend. I <laughs> it. So that's that's number six. Five stands for what? Grace. You know that. Five stands. Oh, this one. Yeah, this one, everybody knows. Uh, five stands for grace. Five stands for grace. Six stands for man. Human effort. Man was created on the CD. Human effort. Seven stands for what? completeness. So then, she's now with six men. Jesus came as the seventh man to complete her. To complete her. So all, the, all this, what, what she was actually looking for was Jesus. You see, most of you, you're you looking for boyfriends and you're... Oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> You don't know. I'm telling you. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> you see, but really, really, there is there is something that you need. Amen. Okay, let's go to verse 19. Then now, the woman now saw that he said that. Say, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Okay. Our fathers. So you see, now, now, she's now going to ask her a certain question that, that has been bothering her. Now that she perceived that this guy was a prophet, he's now going to ask, there's a, a question that she has been genuinely in the heart to ask. Okay. So now she, she went ahead and, so after saying that, I perceive that you are a prophet. Then let's go to 20, verse 20. Said, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. Do you know the mountain that they were talking about? Mount Gerizim. Okay, this was a mountain in Samaria. You see, I told you, you guys that we had the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom, they had Mount Gerizim. That was where they worshipped. The southern kingdom, they had Jerusalem. That, that was where they, they worshipped. So from, from generations to generation, the Samir, Samaritan people, okay, they had told them that, okay, they had told them that they were supposed to worship where? At Gerizim. And um, how do you call it? 
um, the Southern people were supposed to worship at Jerusalem. So that was one thing that's, you know, was causing them to conflict. So he's going to ask Jesus, Christ, where, where do you think we need to worship? Is it at this mountain? That's the Mount Gerizim. So she pointed towards it, this mountain. Okay. So verse 20, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And he said that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Let's see how Jesus answered that question. Verse 21, and we all know this. He says, said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain, that's Gerizim, nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. Okay, ye worship what ye, ye know not. So the, the Samaritans they were worshiping God, but they really didn't know, know Him. Okay, I pray that you don't worship a God that you don't know. The way you are living your life, eh? the way you are <laughs> moving about. You are worshipping a kind of God that you don't know. Because if you know him, hmm, you know him, and you say you are worshipping him, your life will change. So there are people that they go to church on Sunday, they are worshipping something that they are, yeah, something that they are, their parents maybe taught them or, or something that they... So. Okay, let's, let's go to verse 22. So, ye worship... You worship what you know not. For we, that's those in the southern kingdom, they know what they worship. For salvation is of the Jews. Whether you like it or not, salvation is of the Jews. Jesus came for the Jewish people. We, the Gentiles, we are, we are borrowing addendum. You get it. We've been engrafted in it. Amen. Verse 23. But the hour, hour cometh and now is where true worshippers. Now, for Jesus to use the word true worshippers, what do you think I'm going to say? False worshippers. False worshippers. False worshippers. How is it? But what will make a person true worship, a, a true worshipper? A true worshipper is someone what? Who worships the Father in what? In spirit and in what? And truth. And oh goodness. And for the Father seeketh. Search to worship. Hey. So, so can you imagine... God is looking for certain people to come and worship him. And he's looking for the true worshippers. When you say worship, worship is not song, so worship is your life. So this is what we are saying. We are saying that, we are saying that God is looking for those eh, who their life, they are living in the spirit. Are you seeing that? That means that they are being led by the spirit. They are living in the spirit. Not only that, and they are living in truth. Not hypocrisy. Your private life should not be significantly different from your public life. That's hypocrisy. The regenerated life that you claim you have should not be different from how you live your life. How you behave on Sundays should not be different from how you behave from Mondays to Saturday. You have to be truth. Truth is defined, and I quote, as when the words and the deeds become existentially one. So the thing that you claim you are, your, your proclamation or your profession, should be equal to your action. That's truth. Amen. So he's seeking such ones to worship him. Verse 24, for God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in truth and in spirit. Amen. Amen. So, a very, very interesting discourse with a lot of things to, to learn from it. You see, we've read this over and over and over again, but 
you know, that's what you always do. Yeah, I'll open your eyes to something. Nice. Every day. I'll just open your eyes small. <laughs> yes, small to see that. Behind. Behind the letters is life. Behind the letters is spirit. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing it? Now, let's look at the difference between the discourse in John 3 and the discourse in John 4. This one, if it was X, I'll say give five differences between the John 4 discourse and the John 3 discourse. Then you draw a table and you put John 3 this side, John 4. Okay, John 3, Nicodemus came at night. <clears throat> okay, this one came midday. Midday. This one was a, a man, this one was a woman. Okay. Now, Nicodemus was a, was a teacher. Nicodemus was a teacher. This one was a harlot. Nicodemus was a prestige or someone that the people esteemed. This one was someone that the people really, she was a shame and I saw to the people. Nicodemus was the one who came to Jesus. Jesus, Jesus was the one who arranged and went to the woman. This occurred in um, Judea, whereas this, the woman was in Samaria. What does that mean? Okay, that means that Jesus has come for both the Jews and the Gentiles. Are you seeing it? He has come for. So it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter who you are. Okay. He has you in mind. You see how he had the woman in his mind. Because of the woman, he forfeited his journey just to arrange to ensure that he meets the woman. That's the same way that Jesus will do for you. Amen. He will, he will find you. He will find you. Amen. Okay, I think we can end here. Now, ne next week, maybe Sunday, if, if I'm alive, they would continue. Why, why are you... Why? Why? You think it's a possibility? It's, a, it's, it's natural that you be alive. Anything can happen. Yeah. Mm, so don't be. We are we are going to see the aftermath of the woman. Nicodemus, after Nicodemus' experience, Nicodemus didn't go and do anything. This woman, after her experience, she went to proclaim. Are you We are going to look at that. Then we are going to look at the meaning of Jesus saying, "I have a certain kind of meat that I eat. My eat my meat is to do the will of Him." What's the meaning of that? If I explain, you won't come next week. <laughs> okay. So, I think we'll end here. Have another, another meeting. We're going to bombard us with questions. So, any questions, contributions, addendums, additives, preservatives? Ella, tell us something that you think we should, after all the things you've read, what do you think we should keep?
Mm. Okay, I'll see. <laughs>